Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Gridiron Show, and it is the Wild Card Weekend Preview. Not only are we going to look at all four of the games, there's loads of news to get around as well, but we have an exclusive interview with the winningest head coach of all time. This is the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tour. At this stage in the podcast, we should apologise before we've even begun, Ollie Hunter. Uh, for you not being as up there as you normally are. <laughs> I think a combination of factors. Uh, firstly, Ollie uh, had a horrendous migraine last night, meaning that A, I had no idea if he was even coming in today, uh, when he finally did arouse from his slumber. Yeah, he did let me know that. very quickly. No, 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 uh, so I completely understand. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it, we're recording this, it's literally seconds before midday on Friday morning, and uh, Ollie's just got into the studio, and I'm, I haven't slept since about this time yesterday. Wow. Also... Uh, you've been in this studio for about five hours. Yes, it's, and it, I, there's it's odor, Gavin, in here. <laughs> but it's it's not an unpleasant odor. Um, that's surprising. That really is surprising. Yeah. I, uh, I finished my shift at about seven this morning. Uh, did overtime Ireland. Sat in this very seat. Then did some research uh, and did some other bits and pieces of work. And oh my god, how have we got this far into the podcast without talking about our Super Bowl party has been announced? Yes, it has. We will be returning to the Bloomsbury Bowl lanes on the. 7th of February, that's when the Super Bowl is, right? Sunday the 7th of February, 7pm until late, and we are the official in association with type event of NFL <laughs> UK. Well, we're the officially sanctioned NFL UK event. They're yeah. not doing the Super Bash this year, but what it does mean is not only is our event, which is only £12 for, uh, per ticket, with a free beer or uh, free Budweiser or Pepsi, of course... I'm a company man, and da, uh, da, da, da. and uh, a free copy of Gridiron magazine. I'm a company man. Wow! Uh, included in your ticket price, but also because we are the official night of NFL UK, we will have a Super Bowl winner. <gasps> Or well, I, I think they said somebody with Super Bowl experience. So maybe we'll have a Super Bowl loser. But a, <laughs> a, a, a former player, a legend, will be joining us for a meet and greet. They'll be doing signings, photos, wow. all that sort of stuff as well. And as with our events in the past, a lot of you guys who are listening will have attended previously. It's going to be a really good fun night. It's really well run. Good food, good beer, good atmosphere. You know, it's going to be six, seven, eight hundred other NFL fans. It's going to be a great night. Oh, so. it's fantastic! You weren't there last year. I, I was, and it was amazing. Uh, the, there you go. I'd have, I've told this on on the show before, but the, one of the standout moments, and this segues into maybe something else, was the halftime show by Katy Perry, where the downstairs part, which was full of about two to three hundred people, just went mental. They went crazy for Katy Perry and those sharks. I, it was it was 
a once in a lifetime experience that I never that probably will happen next uh, this time round anyway because there's been some exciting news in the Super Bowl. There has, and we show. will we will get to that in a oh, Ollie Hunter. I wanted to segue. We haven't done all of the shilling etc yet. So, okay, uh, fine, fine. G- keep for at Gridiron on Twitter, so you can find all the information about our Super Bowl party on our Twitter account. You can buy tickets at gridiron-magazine.com forward slash Super Bowl fifty. That's forward slash Super Bowl fifty. Uh, that will direct you to the ticket site. All the uh, prevalent information is found there mm-hmm. uh, and of course as always keep checking out sports travel tours uh, our uh, associates who are helping us get to the super bowl and put on a trip next year if you're new to the podcast you may not know about that at gridiron if you're interested in coming on a 11 day four nfl games two college games one high school game tour with me ollie and a bunch of other nfl fans it's going to be amazing it's a football orgy it is a football orgy and not uh, no i'm not going to go down that route <laughs> <laughs> um and gridiron-magazine.com for all the latest content that we post there and i did tease it just a moment ago but coming up later in the show uh, I spoke last night on the phone for 15 minutes with the legendary head coach of the Miami Dolphins 72 and 73 Super Bowl winning teams. The only head coach to take a team to an undefeated t- season in the NFL. The uh, the winningest head coach in NFL history. Oh, I wonder who that could be. Don Shula. So, uh, <laughs> hey, that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> that'll be coming up a little bit later in the show. Ollie did mention this, though. He did tease it. We should get it out there. Of course, the biggest bit of news in the NFL this week. Forget Black Monday. Forget the Wild Card Weekend. Forget Coldplay. We've got... Now, if you remember Beyonce from the Super Bowl three years ago, the Ravens 49ers Super Bowl, when she managed to be so good that New Orleans ran out of power. It did not have enough power to handle Queen Bee. But I've seen Beyonce live before. I went to see her at the um, at Soldier Field, funnily enough, in Chicago with Jay-Z. She is incredible live, and oh. that has made me feel much more positive about the halftime show because you might be out there and you might be a Coldplay fan, and if you are, fair play to you. Not for me and Ollie. Not for me, but Beyonce, yes. <laughs> it's funny. You wouldn't have thought to middle-class white guys uh, would be not into Coldplay, but actually into Beyonce. But we love Beyonce on Gridiron. Absolutely. Uh, if you missed our What's your earlier... favourite Beyonce song? My favourite Beyonce song is Countdown. Uh... From... Uh, I, well, maybe we'll play it at the end of the show. I was just going to play that out at the end of the show, but maybe we'll play my favourite song instead uh, and then get sued by Beyonce and Jay-Z Indulge for yourself. using their music. Um... Uh, if you missed the show earlier in the week on Tuesday, we did our end of season awards with Paolo Bandini of The Guardian and the BBC's very own Mike White. Uh, we had some great reaction to that. People seem to enjoy it. Stuart tweeted, who uh, is a first time listener. I just listened to the podcast for the first time today and I absolutely loved it. OK, Stuart, a couple of things there. Thank you very much. Sorry, I've got some big roll in my mouth. He then said, just to point out, he then said, I laughed my ass off. It's all horribly downhill from here. He's not going to get to hear Paolo Bandini or Mike White every week, which imagine is what he's probably expecting. It's just me and you from now on. I know. And uh, he's going to have to handle all of that. Well, the other thing that I, that I was, uh, you know, one, thank you very much for, for listening and, uh, and tuning in. But 
The other thing, how's it taken you this long? What have you been doing? Hey, we need new fans all the okay. time, Ollie. No, welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome them <laughs> with loving and open arms. If you're listening to Gridiron for the first time, at Gridiron on Twitter, and I think we're at Gridiron UK on Instagram. I think we've maybe put six photos on there before. So, definitely worth a follow. Uh, mm-hmm. Doug, the, the, the Doug Martin tweet, Michael Ward tweeted, Can't believe you didn't consider running back Doug Martin, thank you for clarifying the position he plays, for comeback player of the year, second in the league for rushing yards. Michael, it was an oversight and I apologise. Yes, I mean, there's been a bit of Doug Martin love throughout the season. We have given Doug Martin plenty of love, yeah, it has to be said. When it truly counted... We did not give him the love. We fluffed on the Martin love. Yeah, we really did. The muscle hamster will be disappointed. Uh, and Tony tweeted, Surely Ollie has forgotten about the Jets-Bills game where nobody could tell the teams apart. Hashtag colour rush, hashtag kit watch. Kit watch, um... Watch. I thought you were going to do it that I time. I thought you were going to do it. Oh, God. Uh, this is what you're in for. We're still... This is like ten minutes in. We haven't even started talking about the games yet. Poor Don Shula had to speak to me. Not in this day, actually. It was last night. It was good. It was great. It was... I, I was, like, a little bit emotional afterwards. It's like, really? Just spoken to Don Shula for, like, 20 minutes on the phone, and he was delightful. He t- It was his birthday on Monday, and he told me that he had too much cake and ice cream and then laughed about it. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible, an old person telling you they've had too much cake and ice cream. Don't say an old person. Uh, Tony, going back to Colour Rush, they, well, I only picked one team because they looked both the same. So why would I pick two teams? Bang. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, lots of news from around the NFL. Let's uh, touch on some of that before we get to the weekend's wild card games. Obviously, uh, we t- did a, quite a few of the coaching t- changes on Tuesday. Well, speaking is just horrible today. Uh, so we'll get to a few more of those shortly. But the modern era finalists and uh, all the other bits and pieces as well, because we've now got not only the uh, the senior finalists, but also a contributor finalist to the Hall of Fame were announced last night. Uh, there are three first-year eligible nominees, Alan Fanica, Brett Favre and Terrell Owens. You imagine Favre will get in first time. Not so sure about T.O., but also on the list, Morton Anderson, friend of the show, Stephen Atwater, the old Broncos safety, uh, Don Coriel, uh, Terrell Davis, friend of the show, Tony Dungy, uh, Kevin Green and Marvin Harrison, who I feel bad for Marvin Harrison. He keeps getting nominated, and then these other great receivers come up at the same time. Uh, Joe Jacoby, Edrin James. John Lynch, Terrell Owens, Orlando Pace and Kurt Warner. Uh, It's a fantastic list. I think there's some obvious names there that I think will get in this time. But on the modern era, I I just wanted to mention quickly the senior finalists. Dick Stanfell, former guard of the Lions and the Redskins, great player, did a lot of the position. But Ken Stabler, how Ken Stabler wasn't already in the Hall of Fame is absolutely crazy. Obviously with the Raiders for 10 years in the 70s, also played at the Oilers and the Saints. Uh, He is absolutely nailed on to get Mm. in. And Eddie DiBartolo Jr., who owned the 49ers from 77 to 2000, oversaw the five, let's see, five. Super Bowl rings. Yeah, all right. And is a complete legend. So, uh, yeah, that, I just wanted to go through that, really. Uh, the T.O. Break it down. T- if you've got Game Pass, 
Look back for the T.O. Uh, football life because it's oh, fantastic. Great. So good. Uh, uh, incredible. He's still training and thinks he could make it in the NFL. That's amazing. The Kurt Warner football life is also brilliant. I cried during the Kurt Warner oh, football too. life. Me too. I have no shame in that whatsoever. Uh, I-, I watched it with Adam Farkerson, who is, um, if you again, if you're new to the show, he's co-hosted a couple of times. He's a friend of ours. Big Rams fan. He started crying in about the first 30 seconds. Yeah, well, he is a crier. Yeah, he is. He's definite cry. 100% every time. <laughs> well, 100% every time. All right, Colombo. <laughs> You're talking like Colombo. <laughs> oh, I saw the Hateful Eight um, this week. Any good? Basically, Samuel L. Jackson plays Colombo, but, you know, black 1800s Colombo. It's brilliant. It's really, really, really? good. I really liked it. Mm. I'm a big Tarantino fan. That's the problem, though. And, like, like a proper Tarantino fan. Uh, and I loved seeing Tim Roth back. Thought he was great in it. Oh, Tim Roth's in it? Oh, yeah. I love Tim Roth. He returns uh, to the fold. Oh, it was great. It was, uh, it's almost all set in one location and it's violent and it's twisty and it's, uh, full of intrigue and tension and it's a thriller and great it's soundtrack. got great dialogue. Phenomenal soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Ennio Morricone doing a lot of the soundtrack for it. Brilliant. Definitely go see The Hateful Eight. Uh, okay. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have separated from Lovey Smith. It was not by mutual separation. Lovey Smith was fired by Jason Light friend of the show i've got to stop doing that they really do <laughs> he was on earlier this year jason light and i have to say jason light struck me as a a, a very sensible down-to-earth guy and the stuff he's talked about uh since this firing because a lot of people saw it as a stunner a lot of people didn't have lovey smith down as someone who'd be fired i think you find we did mention it two weeks ago but whatever um He's, a lot of people were surprised to see him go on Thursday, but he said when you have eight wins in two years and just three home wins in that span, I think we've been patient enough. It does take time, but I think when you're building a good football team, you can compete. Now, Dirk Cutter, the offensive coordinator, appears to be the top dog for that head coaching job. I think the Tampa Bay job immediately becomes the most attractive available job, thanks to the fact that Jameis Winston's there. We spoke about how the Titans was the most attractive job because you've got the franchise quarterback already in place and a young roster that you can work with and rebuild with. Well, Tampa Bay's the same, but it's got more talent already there. Gerald McCoy on the center of the defense, Levante David, mm. uh, linebacker. You know, you've got guys who are blue chip, all pro, pro bowl type level guys already there in place. Well, the then receiving then got- core, Mike Evans, you've got uh, Vincent Jackson. It's a Austin- great... Superior Jenkins, who came on leaps and bounds when he wasn't injured this year. Dougie Martin, Doug Martin, let's give him some love. Charles Sims the third, who did brilliantly on on passing downs. It's it's an exciting offense. It really is. And I think he he was fired basically because they were six and six, and there was some talk about them maybe making the playoffs. And they ended six and ten. You lose your last four games of the season, you put yourself in the firing line, Lovey, and it happened. I actually I've never really rated Lovey Smith as a head coach. I thought. He took over a, a strong roster in Chicago, took them to the playoffs, didn't obviously win the Super Bowl, and then slowly kind of just drove that roster into the ground over the course mm. of the next five years. I mean, Jay Cutler doesn't help, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm relatively supportive of that. Uh, I'm down on this. I'm, I think in terms of uh, talent, it is a very desirable head job, but head coach job, but are there any others out there that you think are... As or because of other factors, because you know the New York Giants is obviously. It, yeah, I mean the, the Giants is an interesting one because uh, I've re- already said rebuilding, isn't it? It, it is a rebuild. Jerry Reese, the fact that he's still there, I think he's been disappointing in drafting and in free agency. 
Um, I think you've obviously got Eli Manning there, who's an above-average quarterback, and he's probably got three or four years left at the the higher level. You've got Odo Beckham Jr., a guy who you can build around. So obviously mm. there are pieces there. I'd probably put them third in behind the Titans and the Bucks, uh, just because the Titans and Bucks have got the young quarterback who you can work with and really develop a team with. Whereas Eli. You're going to be looking for a new quarterback in New York within three or four years. So that's the only other reason. And also, I feel that there's that thing when uh, you've had a head coach in place for a very long time, a la Tom Coughlin. It always feels like the next hire afterwards never quite feels like the right hire. It's like David Moyes after yeah, Ferguson. Yeah. It's like, it, it's very difficult to follow up a guy who's been in a job for eight, ten plus years and have somebody come in and be successful straight away because the culture change is such a shock for the front office, the back office, all the staff, everything else, and it can just, it sometimes takes a couple of guys to get through it. So I don't think it'd be an easy job. I mean, it's not as horrible as San Francisco. The 49ers is the worst job. Well, I was going to ask you, what is the worst job? Really, the 49ers? 100%. Why? What would you put below it? Uh, the Eagles? I know. I think the Eagles. Of their fan base. The, oh yeah, there is the Eagles fan base, <laughs> but they've got more talent on the Eagles. Yeah. And I think if you can work with Howie Roseman, there's the potential to rebuild that team. Uh, but the 49ers, the weight of expectation is ludicrous in the Bay. Jed York has shown himself to uh, be relatively clueless on football matters over the last two or three years. Trent Bolke hasn't had a good draft since Scott McLuhan left. Genuinely, I think that 49ers team is. A bit of a dumpster fire. Oh dear. Would you Plus, take it? Home? You've still got Colin Kaepernick on a massive contract. You've got to make the decision whether to cut him or not before April first. And you've not had a chance to even play him a game as head coach. You've just got to go off what's on the tape. So yeah, it's 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 a mess. It's the a Browns. big old mess. I actually think the 49ers job is worse than the wow. Browns job. Purely because the Browns, there's no expectation in Cleveland. They don't, they don't expect yeah. somebody to come in and suddenly be an eight and eight coach, taking them to the playoffs sort of thing. For, the 49ers fans will want somebody to come in and have an immediate instant impact. Mm. And I think that 49ers, with all the players they lost last season, they're going to take two, three years to get back to being playoff worthy if they do everything right over those two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's sad. Sean Payton is going to remain as the Saints head coach what? after we uh, spent days and days chatting about second round picks and uh, could he go to New York? Could he go to Dallas? Well, he's announced he's staying, so that's all we need to say about that. Uh, the Colts have named Rob Chudzinski as their offensive coordinator. I think the moment that they kept on uh, Chuck Pagano, this was nailed on. Chudzinski filled in after Pep Hamilton was fired back in early November. And uh, yeah, Chud was all, Chud's future was always tied to Pagano's future. He is Pagano's guy. If Pagano had gone, I imagine Chudzinski would have gone as well. But instead, he has moved up from interim to permanent defensive coordinator and they have a defensive coordinator as well ted monachino i think i'm pronouncing that right yeah i guess uh he uh raven's uh linebacking coach uh coming from john harbour's team there uh, i mean obviously you look at uh what he's done with a with a respect a string of productive linebackers terrell suggs elvis Dumerville, cj mosley courtney upshaw mm -hmm. and people like daniel danielle ellaby and paul kruger who have gone on to be nowhere near as successful after they've left he appears to be a very good position coach we'll just have to see if he becomes a good coordinator I think it, that is actually is something that the Colts have done right. You know, getting someone who's <laughs> wow. done something good at an another franchise and promoting him into a, a coordinating role uh, across a, either the offense or defense. This Chudzinski appointment, I just think, again, it's the Colts' inward-looking, um, stupid, 
appointment because what well, he didn't do anything really with with uh, I don't know. He got Matt Hasselbeck to win a few games. Ah, uh, they were scrappy, grotty, dirty games. T.Y. Hilton criticised him at late in the season for not throwing the ball deep enough. Uh, when you've got someone like T.Y. Hilton, Dante Moncrief, and you're not using them properly, even using the usage of the tight ends from last season, this season that that has gone down. And those two tight ends were great passing, pass catching tight ends. So I just I don't know. I I think it's a once again the Colts up on offence. Oh, come on. We're meant to be being quick on this one. Now I've got to edit that out. Uh, yeah. You just burped. Got that one. I've put that down to edit, but I've got to put a beep over a sweary. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to the new Adam Buxton podcast, and rather than doing uh, censorship, he just, before the podcast starts, just go, this podcast does contain swearing. Do not listen to it with your kids. Yeah, or vice versa. Then we'd get an E. Do you think having an E next to your podcast is bad or good? Maybe it's cool. Maybe we'll be like the the Tarantino of podcasts. The thing is, the amount of times that you've left swear words in, and we haven't got any. I've been very good at it recently. Yeah, recently, yeah. I've been much, much better at it. I mean, I said some horrible things during that awards show, and they all got edited out, I think. Let us know if they didn't, at Gridiron on Twitter. Uh, There was a couple of other bits of news from the last few days I just wanted to touch on quickly. Loved Dave Gettleman, the Panthers GM, his uh, his end-of-season press conference, where basically he said, when Kelvin Benjamin went down, people wanted me to go and sign every 95-year-old receiver who'd ever put pads on. And the only signing I made in the off-season, the biggest one, was offensive tackle Michael Orr. I got killed for that. He basically went out there and went... I told you so! <laughs> Which was amazing. I thought that was hilarious. I love that kind of thing. Um, Peyton Manning has fessed up to the fact that this is probably his last season. Look, I, I've said it all along. I expected him to come back, uh, starting more games. Um, and I, I think it's the right thing to do. Bring <laughs> I can't keep it up much longer. Um, this is a... <laughs> <laughs> Like, the uh, fact that he's come back, okay, I can understand it, given what's happened with Brock. Big Bad Brock's apparently sidelined this weekend with an MCL sprain as well. Oh, there you go. That's, that's so, a little bit like bullcrap to me. How but... convenient that is. But yeah, <laughs> I, I said he wouldn't start a, another regular season. <laughs> he injured it while sitting on the bench. Um, he said, I'd be lying if I'd never thought about it. It's probably not the case that I would return. But I am excited to think about who we were going to play next weekend and have the opportunity to contribute in some way. Whatever, pay him. So uh, bland, isn't it? Talking about what, going from a Denver quarterback to a former Denver quarterback, the Bears GM has said that we have extreme confidence in Jay Cutler. Enjoy that when Adam Gase has left. Uh, <laughs> Calvin Johnson is mulling retirement, Ollie. Do you think he's going to retire, really? No, I think it's nonsense. Do you think he's just... Ang- is it like in, in football where he's angling for a bigger contract? Oh, he's got a ludicrous contract already. Exactly. I, I was seriously thinking... I think he's £24 million against the cap next year. I was thinking the Lions might try and cut him or trade him. But, no. He's only 30. I think he'll play for another three or four years. I'd take him in Green Bay. Well, you, you need him in Green Bay. <laughs> exactly. Let's not deny it. Um, and finally, Dean Blandino has said that veteran wide receivers are going to help him clarify the catch rule this off-season. <laughs> Yay, catch rule! Well done, mate. What's a catch? What, if a guy catches the ball and doesn't drop it? Come on, man. Catch rules should be easy. He's here getting help from Chris Carter, Tim Brown, Steve Largent, Randy Moss, Chad Lewis and injured Packers wide receiver 
Jordy Nelson. That's a hell of a group of wide receivers there. If they can't figure out what a catch is, then none of us ever will. If they can't do it, the American football should just become a running game. Wow. Yeah. I would not want to watch that. Sport. And backward passing. <laughs> Good. Uh, is there anything... Basically rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally, if you kick, it doesn't have to go back to the other team as well. You can contest it. Yeah, yeah. all of that. Basically, that, that, if if you can't throw it forwards, just play rugby. American footballers. <laughs> uh, let's talk wildcard weekend. Ollie Hunter. We've still got a fantastic interview to come up later in the show with Don Shula, the winningest head coach of all time. And we mentioned Dave Gettleman there. We talked to him all about his son Mike, what he's achieved with the offense there in Carolina, whether or not he's going to be at the Super Bowl this year. Uh, and we'll get onto all of that. But four games this weekend and Ollie Hunter, this is easily the most excited I've been for a wildcard weekend in about, I was looking back on it, and I think in the last five or six years, the best slate of wildcard games we've had. Wow. Why is it the best? Why, in your opinion, is it the best? Is it because most of the games, all of the games, could go either way? Exactly. And and I will go through each of the games one by one and, and give our picks and give our thoughts on them. I had lots of hours sat in this room on my own, so I have extensive notes on these games. Uh, but... Each of the games, we asked you on Twitter what you thought of them. People have given us their opinion, and they wildly vary. And honestly, I think I could make a case for every team except the Vikings to win this weekend. Sorry, I mean, except the Packers. To win this weekend. <laughs> uh, now, genuinely, there is a case for every team to win this weekend. And I think in recent years, there's always been a team who has slipped off the pace late on or a team who looks weaker on paper. And... I mean, essentially, that is the Packers this year, but you just know the talent there means they could do well. So, dead excited. This is the... F I'm going to watch every game live, and I, I cannot wait, Ollie Hunter. Wow. I can't wait either. I, what's, what's the standout game? Is it Minnesota-Seattle? Well, why don't we take a quick break, and then we'll get to Ooh, just that. you tease. Hazel Irvin here at Spencer Park in Coventry, where 37-year-old Emily and her mates are taking part in a fancy dress fun run to fundraise for sports relief. And that means I've been lumbered with her dog, Tilly. Oh, Tilly, not over there. And they're off. An impressive array of costumes on show today, everything from penguins to pirates, all taking on poverty and injustice. Respect. Spectacular. Poverty getting crushed by Katie on a space hopper. Easy. Coming into the final stretch now, and it's neck and neck. I think we're in for a photo finish here. But it's Suzanne smashing through injustice. She is a winner. Hey, Tilly, get off my tutu. Tilly, sit. You can help change the world too. Just get your exclusive Sports Relief merchandise at Janeiro Sainsbury's. Sports Relief. It's game on. This message was brought to you by Acast. There you go. If you want to watch the games this weekend, that's how you can do it. I, I think... I was thinking about it. We could go through the games and pick the most exciting and pick the standout. Let's just do them in chronological order. All four games are so good. Let's just go through from Saturday evening through to Sunday nights. OK, I like this. Bang. Saturday night, 9.35. The Chiefs at the Texans. The last time the Chiefs won a playoff game was in 1993, in the divisional round, when Joe Montana outdueled Warren Moon to Who? beat the Houston Oilers 
And in 2016, the Chiefs once again faced a team from Houston with a former 49ers quarterback. Admittedly, not Joe Montana. The Chiefs started this season 1-5. and five. The Texans started this season 2-5. and five. Ollie, ask me what changed in that next 10 weeks. I... Ask me, Ollie! Uh, what changed in that next 10 weeks? If you take just that 10 weeks, the top three defences in the league, the Seahawks, the Chiefs, and the Texans. Wow. We talked about it on the awards pod, but if it wasn't for Ron Rivera and Bruce Arians, we would be sit- hearing a lot about Andy Reid and Bill O'Brien as potential NFL Coach of the Year candidates. I am excited for this one, but I think it's going to be a grotty game and a low-scoring game. This is defence-heavy. I have taken the Chiefs, and I think they're going to win by, like, 12 points to 10. So, really... So real sort of not not even a, a, an upfront slugfest. I I'm I'm genuinely looking right now. I'm logging on to a reputable betting website. Is there such a thing? And finding out what the over under is on this game because if the if the over under on points is anything, it's forty point five points. Get the under on that. That's massive. Well, especially given the two quarterbacks involved. I mean, yeah. so Alex oh, Smith's decent whoa, quarterback. But... Whoa. No, we will not have Alex Smith. But let's start off with the defensive lines. J.J. Watt and Justin Houston, who is returning for this weekend's game, have won three of the last four sack titles between them. Are just two of the only ten players to ever rec- record a 20-sack season. Since 2012, when they came into the league, they ranked first and second in sacks. J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless combined for the most sacks in the NFL this season, 29.5, whilst Tamba Hali and Justin Houston will take aim at a Texans O-line that lost Pro Bowl left tackle Dwayne Brown in Week 17. This is going to be... If you love watching pass rush, if you love watching big guys on the line, Justin Houston and J.J. Watt are the best at what they do at the moment, and Alex Smith and Brian Hoyer... One of their four starting quarterbacks this season, at least, is going to be in ab- for an absolutely torrid time. Oh, that, this, that's why this game is really intriguing. And also, when you watch the, the Texans, given that they're not that exciting elsewhere, DeAndre Hopkins uh, aside, and actually Alfred Blue's been pretty decent the last few weeks, 4.5 yards per carry. Well, but- interestingly, since this is an amazing stat I read, sorry to cut across you there, oh, but you're- just while you're talking about the running backs, since Arian Foster went down, the three running backs who have kind of filled in from his committee have averaged over five yards per carry in that stretch. See, that's not bad, is it? That's pretty good. And what about on the Chiefs' side? Because uh, since Jamal Charles went down, you know, Spencer Ware, Shakendrick West... Uh, that other guy, um, they've all been brilliant as well. I think that where this game is going to be won and lost is Alex Smith. Um, because I don't believe the Houston offense is good enough to beat the Chiefs defense on its own. Uh, admittedly, you've got, um, you, you mentioned in there DeAndre Hopkins and you've got that running game which can get going, but the Chiefs got one of the best running defenses in the league. And DeAndre Hopkins, between Marcus Peters and between those great safeties there, I think they can close him down and I think they can take him out of the game. Mm. And that absolutely kills them. But, Texans play uh, this cover four system with their with their backfield. So literally the way that works, if people don't understand quarters or cover four, is that they split the field into four quarters. The cornerbacks take the outside, the safeties take the inside. It's one of the most versatile defensive formations you can play, and they play it on literally every play. So the safeties can be up in run help. They play just off the edge of the linebackers. They can help on the outside. They can help on the inside. 
And what it does mean is that you can disguise a lot of your looks. So if you're going to, like, bring a safety in Blitz, it's very easy to disguise that you're going to do that in Cover 4. If you're going to be playing Man, if you're going to be playing Zone, whatever you're going to be doing out of that, it's very, very easy to disguise what you're doing. And Alex Smith is the safest quarterback in the league. If you're disguising and he doesn't know what he's going to throw to and he doesn't know what he's going to see, then there's every chance he's going to hold on to the ball. And if he holds on to the ball and you've got Clowney, and Watts, and Merciless, and Cushing, all coming around the edge, all coming over the top, then Alex Smith could get absolutely smashed. But then he's incredibly clutch. In the uh, in in the playoffs, this was the, the stats, in his 11-year career, uh, he's averaged under 200 passing yards a game, just over a touchdown a game, and a rating of 85. In the playoffs, he averages just under 300 yards, three touchdowns a game, and a rating just south of 110. For some reason, he's a different guy when he's in the playoffs. He had that ridiculous game against New Orleans, that ridiculous game against the Colts. Alex Smith is going to win this game for the Chiefs. I I think. I mean, you've talked me into (laughs) believing in the Houston uh, defense. Uh, (laughs) I I should have done. That's probably... You you really have talked me into it. I'm (laughs) going to go. I'm going to go Houston. I'm going to go the Chiefs. Dwayne Brown being out is the big thing for me. I want the Chiefs, but I'm going Houston. And I I think we should do beer bets on this. Houston are going to win. But when I say Houston's going to win, I mean Justin Houston's going to win. We- oh, hey, yo! <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> Dwayne, <laughs> I'm so tired. With Dwayne, <laughs> with Dwayne Brown out. And, and I, I mean, this is going to become a recurring theme over the next two weeks. And even today, we're going to talk about Marshall Lynch. And when we talk about the Patriots, people need to calm down about players returning from injury. Because... It's not like Madden. It's not like you suddenly get a guy back from injury and they've got their 96 rating back and they're going to be playing at the very top level they can. Mm. They're going to still be carrying that injury. They're going to be carrying rust. They're going to be... They, uh, there is every chance that Justin Houston comes back after three weeks out and is just a yard off the pace. And that is enough that the Texans can handle him. And similarly, when we talk about the other games, when the Patriots get like the six starting players back that they've got, you expect all of them to play at the top level? What if Edelman comes back and hasn't quite got that burst, hasn't got that speed that he needs over the centre to beat a linebacker to the ball? That's going to absolutely kill you. And also, you don't want to be rushing someone back early. We saw it with De- Devontae Adams earlier in the season. He, Tony Romo. Tony Romo. Yeah, he was rushed back way too way early. Way too early, and it set, it set, he had a, a recurrence, a relapse of his, in, of his injury and you know he took about 15 snaps or something didn't he it was ridiculous <laughs> exactly so so we're split on who we're taking in this one yeah let me tell you what twitter have said arrowheads abroad guess who they're tw- are picking have put eric fisher will have a career day on national media pancake jj watt and allow zero hits on alex smith in a chief's win where's now- your hysterical music there <laughs> come on come on yeah. will gavin we need to have it ready because a few of these deserve it Ah, oh, I didn't have the channel. Oh. oh, it's like it's like I haven't slept. Oh, I thought I played the long version as well, and I played the short version. Ollie, it's all going horribly but the wrong. The thing is, it says hysteria short. Yeah, I, I'm aware that I have played the wrong thing, and I'm sorry. Do you want me to do the long one? Yeah. Let's get hysterical, hysterical. I wanna get hysterical. Let's get into hysterias. <laughs> Nick, Nick continues the hysteria by saying, the winner of Chiefs-Texans will win the AFC. Ooh. 
They're probably the two hottest teams coming into this game based on their records over the last 10 weeks. Coming into this game, obviously the two hottest teams coming into this game, coming into the AFC mm. side of the playoffs, but uh, you can't write off the Pats or the teams, other teams playing. Broncos, <laughs> Bengals, Steelers. All of them. And the other one. <laughs> no, that's it. That's all of them. Cal tweets Marcus Peters to shut down Hopkins and KC to go on to face Peyton once more, causing him to implode yet again. And Tom tweets JJ Watt to Sacksmith four times, Hopkins 150 yards and two touchdowns as the Texans beat the Chiefs 20 to 14. Oh my God. But that, do you know what? split. That deserves one of those as well. You think there's 34 points in this game? You're yeah. crazy. And I'm saying this. It's You're crazy. Be a complete blowout. Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Saturday night, 1.15am. The Steelers at the Bengals. It's a divisional game. It's a repeat of the wildcard game. Famously in 2005 where the Steelers went on that run to win three road playoff games and win the Super Bowl. One of only four teams to do it. The Bengals are going to be judged on one thing this season. It's how they fare in the playoffs. That's going to fall on AJ McCarron's shoulder. What do we think, Holly? Yeah, I think the Steelers are coming in hot. And I know I know that the Bengals have, have um, done okay with AJ McCarron, but I think it could be one game too many. And we'll realise that it's not a Dalton thing. It's a Bengals thing. Well, Marvin Lewis is 0-6 in his playoff career, all with the Bengals. He's currently tied with Jim Mora Sr. for the worst playoff record amongst head coaches in the history of the NFL. I think he goes to 1-6 this weekend. Why? Well, first of all, and again, extensive notes, so if I get rambling, feel free to cut in. Since they're the second-best scoring defence in the league, and they play... Two high safeties with the Loco and uh, Ron Watts-his-face. Um, and they have done that all season. They always play that cover two, two high safeties. The best way to beat a team playing two high safeties is to run the ball. Who have Pittsburgh got running the ball? Jordan Todman and Fitzgerald Toussaint. Oh, OK. Between them, they have a combined 22 snaps before D'Angelo Williams went down. When Pittsburgh lost Le'Veon Bell last year in Week 17, no Steeler rushed for more than 25 yards in their wildcard loss the following week. I think the running game, l- the loss of the running game is absolutely going to kill Pittsburgh. In terms of Cincy, the rest of the defence, the, if they get pressure from Geno Atkins and less consistently Carlos Dunlap, I think Michael Johnson stopping any amount of run they've got on the outside. Vontae's perfect. Vontae's perfect. Perfect, who has he's led the league in tackles since he came back in and love him to pieces they run a lot of like stunts and twists they've got this big long armed ends either side Gino disrupting up the middle very similar to what JJ Watt does in uh, uh, JJ Watt does for the rest of that Texans defense mm. and allowing them to get to the quarterback and if uh, my kind of feeling on it is you've got Big Ben you've got Antonio Brown they could come up with two moments of magic and kill this game off but AJ McCarron has shown real poise over recent weeks. They've kept that offense basically the same, slightly less risk taking than they do with Dalton, mm-hmm. but running very much a similar offense. And I think McCarron looks poised. The Steelers D, I'd look back at the um, game against the Seahawks, where they were brilliant for two quarters and then just fell apart. And that's what they tend to do. They, they haven't got a terrible defense, but they've got a defense that struggles to stay consistent for 60 minutes. I just, I just fancy. Unless you get those moments of real magic from Big Ben and Antonio Brown, and I think they're going to be able to drop loads of men into coverage because there's going to be no run game, double team, triple team, both those guys on the outside, 
unless you get those moments of mag- magic, the Bengals will grind this one out. Yeah, I think when you've got Jeremy Hill, who looked to be back to his best over the last couple of weeks, um, Gio Bernard doing bits and bobs as well on in the rushing game, and what you say about that Steelers defense not being able to to keep it up for a whole game, they're going to be on the field a whole lot more than you'd think. And actually, on the offensive side of it, you said they're coming in hot because I think people want to think that about the Steelers. But actually, their offense against the Browns and against the Ravens, unimpressive the last two weeks. Yeah, good point. And that's divisional games where they're always very tight, these divisional games, uh, during the regular season. And then they've got to go to the jungle in Cincinnati. <laughs> you know, I... On the week that uh, the Guns N' Roses reform, welcome to the jungle! Yeah, so I'm going, yeah, I'm with you, I'm going uh, Bengals, all, uh, all in. Did you know that Jeremy Hill leads the NFL in rushing touchdowns since the beginning of last season? I did not know this. 20 touchdowns over the last two years, one more than DeMarco Murray, four more than Marshawn Lynch or Lamar Miller. I thought that was stunning. That's amazing. Never scored a touchdown against the Steelers, though. So, well, he will break that this time. Ooh, bold prediction, hashtag. Uh, Jake tweets, Steelers to beat the Bengals. Reason, it's the Bengals in the playoffs. I'm sure we've been here before. Tom tweets, Steelers beat Bengals 35-28. They've got better quarterback and wide receivers. Bengal have a good Whoa. D. Better wide receivers. I suppose, yeah, if you think about it, match them up. Best wide receiver each, AJ Green versus Antonio Brown. Yeah, Antonio Brown's the better receiver than AJ Green, yeah. but AJ Green's still top five, maybe top seven in the league. Oh, I'd say at least top five. Uh, you've got uh, Marvin Jones is not as good as Bryant. You've but then got- Bryant's fallen off. Not a catch last week, but then, then Marcus Wheaton's come come to the fore. Heath very consistent at tight end. Tyler Eifert is a touchdown machine. Yeah. I, I think they're comparable. Yeah, I would say they're comparable. But I don't say that you could say that it's a better wide receiving core just because of one person. But Big Ben is a much better quarterback. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But he's And uh, when I did that, I just want to point out that Tom has tweeted this with eight O's. He says, Bengals have a good D, but feel the Steelers have multiple threats. And Stuart tweets, I really see the Steelers being a huge upset and winning Super Bowl 50. It's a knockout now, and that offense is hot. So Twitter's going for the Steelers. All, almost all Steelers. And you and I are going Bengals. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, c- uh, the Sunday game, 6.05, in the freezing your dick off bowl, they say temperatures will be below zero at kickoff with a wind chill minus 15 to minus 20. Burr. Burr, indeed. <laughs> Just to point out, that's Fahrenheit. What?! Because that's what the Yanks tested, isn't uh, it? I assume so, unless yeah. they've uh, automatically adjusted it when I've searched this online. But I believe that to be Fahrenheit. That oh. is crazy cold. Oh, my goodness. I don't understand why the Vikings are going back indoors. They might actually win this game just because it's, it's cold. Just because it's freezing. Yeah. I mean, I know there was the Week 13 blowout, but the Vikings since then have had the return of big-name injured players. Linval Joseph is back, one of the best run stoppers and a disruptive player in the middle. They didn't have him or um, Anthony Barr, who attacking that central A gap, blitzing on the inside. The Seattle interior line is a real weakness. If they can get to Russell Wilson a lot, and if they can hit him, and if like. I think Marshawn Lynch comes back and is not ineffective, but not as effective as everyone wants him to be. Bang average, you mean? Uh, the Vikings spied Rodgers last week and did a brilliant job of it. If they do the same to Wilson this week, don't let him get out of the pocket. Hit him plenty. 
I do believe the Vikings can do this. I, uh, I think the Vikings... Uh, last week was a bit of a watershed moment for the Vikings. They finally won a clutch game, a game that really mattered. But you've got all of these pieces coming back, like we said with uh, the Patriots. They, they won't all come back and be great. And they were part of that Vikings team, that, or, or the majority of them, that lost, got beat down. Got, I won't say that because it's a family show. But... <laughs> You know, it it they were part of a team that uh, that got done by the Seahawks first time round. And lest us not forget that two years ago, at comparably cold Lambeau Field, the Seahawks came in and beat the Packers, and it was freezing then. So it's not like they haven't played in conditions like this before. I expect the Seahawks to win this. Russell Wilson to come up come up big. Uh, Baldwin, Lockett, Curse, Et al, and then that defence will be destroying Teddy Bridgewater. Here's the thing. I've taken Bambi. the Seahawks. I hate myself, but I've taken the Seahawks. The running game is an issue for me. Everson Griffin, I thought... I thought Josh Sisson actually was surprisingly good against Everson Griffin last week. Uh, weirdly, I think, because he played him like a guard rather than a tackle, he kept forcing him inside, which isn't what Griffin wanted to do. But he's a top player, a great anchor against the run. And if you look at... Um, if you look at the figures of Marshall Lynch, I said we'd go over these. All right, he's at 3.8 yards per carry, which is only just south of four. Uh, good for you maths boss out there. But Well done, mate. That is inflated by the game against San Francisco. It goes down to about 3.1 if you take that game out. He's averaging less than 60 yards per game when he's been fit. Just the three touchdowns in that stretch as well. And one of those was the one against San Francisco where it took them eight attempts to get it across the goal line from inside the five because they got the penalty as well. There's going to be a real focus on the running backs, and it's kind of been under-talked about, but Lynch and Peterson, both taken in 2007, taken just five picks apart. They've got the most touchdowns at one and two over that period of time in the eight, nine years since then. They, these are two guys who have comparable potential careers mm. here. You've got Peterson, who's got the big numbers, but then Lynch, who's obviously taken it to that other level, done it in the playoffs, done it in Super Bowls. That's going to be a huge focus of this, and I just think that the Vikings run game is what makes the difference. Um, Michael tweets saying Seahawks win. Pete Carroll gets knocked out by Gatorade shower because when they pour it out, it'll just be a block of ice. Cool, that'd uh, be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Tom tweets, Hawks destroy the Vikings, 35 to 10. Hawks D starts playing with their swagger back. Their offense is hot, and he's literally sent the flame logo. Like Washington, hot at the right time. Yeah, yeah, can't argue with that. And talking of Washington... Sunday night, Packers in Washington, 9.40 on Sunday. The Packers looking to become just the third team to win a Super Bowl after losing their final two regular season games. Obviously, the same can be said about the Patriots this year. The 2009 Saints and the 67 Packers, the only other teams to accomplish that feat. They're also looking to be the first ever team to repeat winning three road playoff games on their way to winning the Super Bowl. They obviously did it in 2010. They've got the Giants, Steelers and Patriots, the only other three teams that do that. The Packers have got their cards against them. They're up against the wall. And I'm afraid, I think, that they're going to get shot in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, that escalated quickly. It really did. In uh, the metaphorical term, I mean, Ollie. Yeah, OK, fine. I said it on, on last time's, uh, la the last show, that this is the kind of storyline that that happens in the NFL, but it's not going to happen in this, this year's <laughs> NFL. The Packers, the Packers, they're still beaten up. They're still... Uh, Do you know the injury report listed 17 players this week? Oh, my God. 
including most of the offensive line. I mean, aside from the Super Bowl run of 2010 as well, the Packers are 2-5 and five in the playoffs with Rodgers as starter. Is he the new Peyton Manning? Oh, man, he could be. He could be the new Peyton Manning. Oh, oh that's upsetting you, to you think horrible, of, isn't it? horrible, horrible man. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Oh. The, the, so, the problem is with the, the... The one positive for the offense, although we've seen other teams do it this year, is that Green Bay are very bad against man coverage. Uh, the difference between these two offenses and why I love Washington, and we'll talk Kirk Cousins' numbers in a minute, but they've got real balance because they've got Jordan Reed over the middle, they've got Jamison Crowder, who's really come on recently, yeah. and then they've got Deshaun Jackson as the deep threat. And they do exactly what Green Bay don't do, which is Green Bay have three guys out there, two guys out there, they're going to run their routes and they're going to do what they do, and if they don't separate from man coverage, they're not going to get any separation. Whereas uh, you watch the the kind of schemes that Washington run on offense, they're running slants, they're running hook routes, they're they're making sure their receivers are crossing, they're making sure their receivers are confusing the defense, they're disguising their routes, and that is why Kirk Cousins finds an open guy almost every time, and that's why every recent Washington game I can think of, there's been at least one big play, like a 30, 40 plus yard play, because of a blown defensive coverage and it's because they do very intelligent things jay gruden and sean mcveigh have done a brilliant job with that offense been really really impressed and it's given kirk cousins stats which make him look like an all pro type quarterback do you think that green bay's reliance on aaron Rodgers' brilliance and football savviness that's um you know, Mike McCarthy and Todd Clements have been lazy in not designing enough plays like that have been designed for uh, the likes of Kirk Cousins. Yes, yeah, absolutely. In, in getting people open so that Cousins can find the easy ball. And it worked when you had Jordy Nelson because Jordy Nelson stretches the field. You don't have another guy that does that. Amazingly, third and 99 tweets us, if the Packers go one and done, they quietly start shopping Aaron Rodgers for a mountain of high draft picks. Hysterical! Hysterical! Oh, Cough. genuinely disgusted <laughs> <laughs> oh imagine who is that traded, imagine if you traded Aaron Rodgers uh. that would be amazing <laughs> um uh, just to go over those Kirk and the, just to come back to Green Bay very quickly bad against man coverage they don't get open Washington D does play zone and has issues at defensive back that's bringing Carrie Williams this week so that is the one area you could have some success. Mm -hmm. I will give you that little nugget of truth hope, as I'm going to now call it. <laughs> I, like it I like a nugget of truth hope. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and, Hashtag <laughs> nugget of truth hope. And you deserve it, buddy. <laughs> um, the Washington, uh, the Washington have already got a very good run game. That's a nugget of truth hope for you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not been great this but, season. But let me just go over those Kirk Cousins stats quickly. In the second half of the season, in fact, since... The fated game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they bounced back in such spectacular fashion and the world was treated to... You like that? You like that? By the way, Washington, you like that terrible towels? A little bit of a step too far. But since that game, Kirk Cousins has led the NFL in both completion percentage and passer rating. Aaron Rodgers, in that same stretch, has ranked 32nd in completion percentage. That's last. Wow. And 27th in passer rating during those final eight games. And Kirk Cousins' stats for the season, he's gone over 4,000 yards, over 25 uh, passing touchdowns, and over five rushing touchdowns. How many quarterbacks have done that all time? Don't know. You tell me. Including Kirk Cousins? Yeah. Four. Whoa. 
Don Majowski with the Packers in 89, Steve Young with the 49ers, Aaron Rodgers in 2009, and Kirk Cousins in 2015. So what you're saying is Washington are going to win the Super Bowl. What? We could have a Super Bowl winner <laughs> here. Is it, this is what you're telling me, isn't it? <laughs> That's what you're saying to me. I, I, you know, in my own terms, I am getting a little bit on the hysterical <laughs> side of things. But those numbers are ridiculous. And Kirk Cousins, I think, is genuinely a legitimate... I had a, an argument slash conversation with Richard Graves from Sky on Twitter yesterday where I basically said... You're always having an argument with him. <laughs> Honestly, that that guy, you destroy him regularly. Just any opportunity to wind the screw, oh, I man, love it. You would, um, wouldn't you? He uh, he said he he didn't still didn't believe in cousins despite that and I said okay admittedly it's a small sample size it's one season but if you turn to me right now and you said second round pick in San Francisco can get you either Kirk Cousins or Tony Romo then there's only one choice my friend and it's the wee man in Washington and he hated that he really hated that oh it was amazing wow Romo's made of glass <laughs> exactly and old he is old he's uh, old and glassy right just to go through a few uh, a few of the tweets on this one UK and Irish Packers said Packers win because they decide they probably should start taking this game seriously complete game plan changes coming hashtag you like that thanks for the hashtag boys um, Tom tweets Washington beat Green Bay because it's so much fun listening to Ollie when the Packers are shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tom. <laughs> and a different Tom tweets, uh, Washington defeat the Packers 28-14, Kirk Cousins three touchdowns, Washington hot at the right time, Packers really not. Yeah, I'm going, I'm going Washington. I, I, I wow. spoke to um, the Daily Mail's Pete Carline during the week. <laughs> Clang! Yeah, and uh, yeah, I was like adding Daily Mail. Yeah, yeah Pete, you work for them. Um, but he was telling me and this is great. After week seven, the Packers became the Chiefs, and the Chiefs became the Packers. Amazing. How incredible is that? Yeah, that is exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. Uh, we've got a few greedy tweets just to mop up at the end here. People who decided they weren't just going to tweet us about one game. They were going to go all out. Adam said, all four road teams will win. Must be something wrong with the seedings. In fact... They've been really keen this week to go, oh, it's going to be the first time in wildcard history where all the road teams are favourites. But you've ruined it, Ollie. Washington are uh, 0.5 point favourites in the game in the nation's capital. Wow. So not all the road teams are favourites. Uh, Samuel Green says, Peterson to down Seattle. Packers receivers to beat the Packers. I think you've got that one wrong. Uh, AJ no, 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 no. That's entirely right. The Packers receivers <laughs> beat the Packers. Yeah, okay, fair, fair. He's, more, he's been cleverer than I could understand. Well, A you haven't slept in 39 hours. AJ Mack to outshoot Big Ben. Houston and Casey to tie nil-nil. It's probably about right. A Mark, <laughs> a Mark tweets, Cardinals-Bengals Super Bowl with Bengals waiting until the big day to fall apart. And Carson Palmer coming back against his former team and winning the Super Bowl in the Bay. Oh, I'm so excited, Ollie. Um, I, as much as that would be a great matchup, I do not like the kit matchup. Hashtag kit watch. I'm not playing the drop. I can't be asked to But fair it. enough. Uh, <laughs> I just don't like it. Don't like it. Uh, right. We've still got the blockbuster interview to get to. So we mentioned the Panthers earlier and we talked about undefeated teams and uh, an opportunity to speak with. And I give him a bit of an intro in the show as well. But the the... A genuine, proper, full-on legend. A word that is bandied around way too much. This guy is an actual proper... He's the sort of person who's going to get a stadium named after him, a trophy named after him. A, a, 
every he's just brilliant and this was really good fun and i really enjoyed talking to him so here's our interview with the one and only coach don shula Look, uh, we've had some great guests on the show before and certainly Hall of Famers and we always try and bring you the, the best people we possibly can on the Gridiron Show. But literally, uh, this person is a genuine and absolute living legend. Two-time Super Bowl winning head coach, also the head coach. And this is the clue I nearly gave away the other day with the winningest head coach in NFL history. He's a Hall of Famer, uh, five AFC championships and... Of course, most famously known for taking the Miami Dolphins to a completely undefeated season. His son, Mike Schuler, is now uh, the Carolina Panthers as offensive coordinator, and we'll talk about that as well. But uh, Don Schuler, it's a real joy. Thank you so much for joining us on the phone, Coach, and uh, and how are you doing today? Doing great. Did you feel good? Well, let's do it. Fantastic. Good to hear. And it was your birthday earlier this week. Yeah, yesterday, January 4th. Oh, fantastic. How was it? Did you have a big party or? Oh, everything went good. We had a little birthday. I ate too much cake and ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's a day of the year you're allowed to do that on, I reckon your birthday's the day. Yeah, good. Fantastic. Great stuff. So, uh, well, we've just got out of the, the regular season. And first of all, I, I want to know, was it bittersweet to see Mike and, and Carolina go 15-1? and Because obviously your undefeated record stays intact. But it would have been quite nice for Mike to be on the team that broke it. You know, a lot of people ask me that question. And uh, I would have been very proud and happy for Mike and Carolina if they beat the record. Because, you know, that shows that Mike's doing a good job. Carolina's a very good team. And, uh, you know, records are made to be broken. And uh, they're out there. Sooner or later, somebody's going to break it. Uh, and if somebody breaks my record, I, you know, I would be very proud of where Mike and the North Carolina Panthers. Fantastic. And, and just talk to me about the job they're doing there, because you must have watched them this season, and particularly on the offense and what Mike's been doing. I mean, I think back to, to your days when um, uh, Dan Marino was first starting out and you had the Marx brothers there, but you, you never really had a, a true number one big name wide receiver, and yet you achieved what you achieved. And there's a lot of people talking about what Mike's managed to do with very few weapons there and with a lot of no-name guys. Uh, how do you think that he's managed to put that together? I think that, you know, you just work with the people you have and uh, get them to, uh, you know, know what they're doing, not make mistakes, and utilize their talent. Uh, Cam Newton is a great talent. So you want to give him every opportunity to use that talent, and then you surround himself, you surround him with the best receivers that you have and drill, drill, drill so that they are on the same page and can make those big plays. When you uh, when you speak to Mike about Cam Newton, what's he say about him? Oh, he loves him. He thinks he's a great talent, a hard-working guy, wants to be the best. You know, everything that you want in a quarterback. I was fortunate in my years of coaching. You know, I started with the Unitas, and then I went to Bob Creasy and, uh, and Dan Marino, and I had Earl Morrill. So I always had some some great players playing for me and uh, guys that worked hard to be the best that they could be. And uh, Mike's doing that now with Cam Newton. 
Hey, that's not a bad group. Uh, Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer there. If you look at the, the talents that the guys have got now, who would you say that's comparative to? Because I think what amazes me so much about Cam Newton is just how dangerous he is in every single phase. Uh, how would he compare with the guys you work with? Because you named the guys there, and it's Hall of Famer after Hall of yeah. Famer. When you look at the talent Cam Newton has, do you think he's comparable with those kinds of names? Oh, I think so. You know, uh, players just keep getting better and uh you know they work hard to be the best that they could be and coaching has improved and you know everything is getting better so uh you know carolina wants to make sure that they uh, are ahead of the group fantastic um i want to ask about miami as well uh, i saw you uh, attending uh, a game and, and doing uh, there was a halftime presentation but do you do you follow the team now oh yeah so uh, you know we go to all the games and uh, I like to uh, keep up to date, so we go to those and watch the Panthers on TV <laughs> and uh, just uh, watch a lot of football. Excellent, good stuff. What What are your thoughts on Miami this year? Because I mean, we spoke to Mike Tannenbaum in the off season, and they looked like a team who had all the players they needed to be successful, and yet that success didn't come. What What were your thoughts on the Dolphins' fit season? Well, I think that, you know, I'm not an authority on what happened or what didn't happen. I just uh, don't want to comment on it other than to say that, uh, you know, you look at your record and, and you look at your schedule and uh, you just got to, if you're not happy with your record, you got to make things better in the future. If you're happy with it, then you got to continue to work to be happy with it. Do you think if you look at the likes of Ryan Tannehill and that talented defense that with the right head coach, the Dolphins could be successful straight away next season? You know, it's, uh, there are a lot of good teams, a lot of good quarterbacks, and uh, the Dolphins uh, just got to take their talent and, uh, you know, make sure that they're playing the best that they can play with that talent. And then also, you know, respect the people that you're playing against because they got some pretty good players too. So <laughs> each week, you know, it's a real struggle. You, you talked about people uh, breaking the the record of being certainly the most uh, the, the only undefeated team of all time. Uh, you're obviously the coach with the most regular season wins, and when you look at the coaches who are in the league now, like uh, the top end guys like Bill Belichick who have been there for a long time, uh, do do you think that the level of coaching has improved in the NFL over that time, or do you think that? You know, in your you, your day was the heyday, as many people like to think it is. <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't say my day was the heyday. <laughs> you know, we had some good coaches there competing against each other. And since I retired and a lot of those other coaches retired, there are still new good coaches coming up with good players and, and uh, some good records out there. So what you do is uh, just at the end of... Uh, a coaching life, you just evaluate what the record says, and then you compare it to, you know, other coaches that are retired or still coaching, and and then you, uh, you know, the the answers are right there by those comparisons. It's been twenty years since you uh, resigned in in Miami just the other day, and and I'm intrigued 
I look at what's currently happening with the coaching in the NFL, and I specifically want your thoughts on, on Tom Coughlin, because a lot of people expected him to maybe retire this week. He left the New York Giants, but said he was still looking for another coaching job. Are you amazed they would go away from someone with that much experience, that much uh, connection with the players, if he supposedly wants to keep well, coaching? I don't know. He's been there a long time, and he's made the decision to retire. Uh, what about when you made that decision? Because obviously, uh, you know, you're still the coach with the most wins in NFL history. What what went into that decision for you? I just think that you put all the things together that uh, that you want to use to help you make that decision, and then you make it. And then when you make the decision, you don't look back. And so, in the twenty years since you uh, since you left coaching, what are your great memories of those twenty years? Oh, uh, we just. Uh, have a wonderful family life and uh, enjoy the holidays and enjoy getting up and doing things together. Life is good. Fantastic. Um, I, looking at your, your time at the Dolphins and thinking back to that that 72 season, uh, there's, there's this, uh, not necessarily a rumour, but people say that every year when the last undefeated team is, is beaten, that these 72 Dolphins pop the champagne open. Is that something you guys really do? No, that's just a, <laughs> a ridiculous rumor. And uh, I think what happened one year, the last undefeated team got beat, and Bona Connie and Dick Anderson lived next to each other down at Coral Gables. And they went out in there in the parking lot, a photographer was there, and they toasted each other with a bottle of champagne. And they were too cheap to invite us to the party. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when you think back to that 72 season i'm intrigued that we saw carolina obviously did lose the game two weeks ago and, and some people want to say that actually they think that takes a weight off their shoulder when you're approaching the super bowl as an as an undefeated team how did that affect your mindset were you thinking about the idea that you could be the first team to win it undefeated no what you do is you just concentrate on the next game. And uh, you uh, if you're undefeated, you're happy and proud of that, but that's not going to help you win the next game. <laughs> so you got to get, you know, get all your game plans together and pick out what you want to continue doing and uh, then make sure your players understand that. You're only as good as, you know, what you've done lately. And what do you think was so special about that team that allowed you to go on such a phenomenal run? It was a team that uh, had a lot of talent, uh, very intelligent, very bright guys, took a lot of uh, pride in uh, knowing what to do, not making mental errors. And uh, and then uh, if they made a physical error, that they were upset about that and wanted to make sure it didn't happen again. That that I mean that seventy two team the in terms of Hall of Famers there's yourself but you know Larry Sonka Bob Greasy Jim Langer Paul Warfield Larry Little so many guys from that team have gone on to be in Canton and I I'm impressed most of all when we look at Cam Newton and we look at the Panthers with their leadership who were the leaders on your team and what maybe stories can you tell us about those guys and how they took you to to success. We just had great leaders. Bob Greasy was a great leader. Dick Anderson, Dick Bonacotti, you know, Manny Fernandez, uh, Larry Little. I could <laughs> name, keep naming them because, uh, you know, their record speaks for, for 
what they accomplished as players. The things that we did, we did because they had a lot of pride and they worked hard and they competed and they won. And once they win like that, it goes on your record and that stays. So it's always good to have that, you know, that that working record behind you, that record of great accomplishment. Do you, do you remember what the leaders were saying to the young players as you were approaching that Super Bowl and that Super Bowl week? I mean, you compare it with now and the media storm that will be there for, for Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco. How do those leaders affect the young players and help you win that game over Washington? The leaders just have to do their job, get their team ready to go. And uh, know that that other team they're going to be playing has got good players, good leaders, good coaches, and when the game's over, there's only going to be one winner. And somehow you want that winner to be you. <laughs> do, do you remember what you said to them before they went out onto the field? Oh, just the about the opportunity that we have, and uh, you know, the year before we had been to the Super Bowl and got beat, and uh, I just said after that game, I don't, I don't ever want to feel this way again. I want to be in a happy locker room when the game's over. And uh, we took that pretty much as the thing that we live by that next year to get there and, and not only get there, but to get there and win. Fantastic. And, and certainly when you approach that postseason, obviously you've been already coaching for some time, but you look at going into this playoffs this year and there's a lot of young coaches and, and a lot of young quarterbacks going into this period. What would you say to a, a young team like Carolina? Like, What have you said to Mike about going into the playoffs and how to approach playoff football? Well, I think Mike understands. Uh, he was around us in our playoff years. and uh, uh, Ron Rivera, the coach, is a, is a real fine coach. and He knows how to get a football team ready to go. And they'll just continue to work on what they've done or what they've done to get them to where they are, make sure that they, you know, leave uh, no stone unturned to continue to play the best that they can play. They worked hard to get to this opportunity. They want to make sure they take advantage of it. And uh, certainly Mike's been been linked with a lot of the vacant head coaching positions. I know... He probably won't want that distraction whilst the playoffs are going on. But, you know, he's obviously got the pedigree of being your son and having such a wonderful year this year. Do you do you think he would go and be a successful head coach somewhere? I think that uh, he would continue to be the hard-working guy that he is to make him, the, you know, the uh, offensive coordinator that he has uh, become down there at Carolina. And then if he got a head coaching job, he would just work his harder, harder to be successful being a head coach. Fantastic. And and just looking at Super Bowl 50, if Mike and, and the Panthers get there, can we expect to see you there on Super Bowl yeah, week? I'll be there. I'll be there for sure. <laughs> and yeah. I hope that I have that opportunity. Fantastic. Uh, look, Coach Schuler, it's been a real pleasure getting to catch okay, up with you. Okay, good to be talking to you. Thank you. Have a, have a good birthday week, and uh, maybe we'll see you in San Francisco. Thank you. Coach Shuler there, what fun that was, and hopefully we get to catch up with him at the Super Bowl. Hopefully he's there anyway, even if the Panthers aren't. There's a little part of me that's rooting for the Panthers to be there, just so we can meet Don Shuler in person.
God, yeah, that would be great, wouldn't it? It would be awesome. Uh, so, I think that brings us to the end of the show. Please keep checking out uh, our uh, Twitter, at Gridiron, sportstraveltours.com, for all your sports travel needs. And, lest we forget, our Super Bowl party is a little over three weeks away at Bloomsbury Lanes. There will be an NFL legend there. NFL UK are, are co-hosting the event with us. It's going to be great fun. It's just £12. You get a free beer or Pepsi with your entry and a free copy of the Super Bowl preview of Gridiron. It's going to be a great night. Genuinely, be there or be square. That's what the cool kids say, right? It's the, the only thing that cool kids say. Awesome. Now, there's only one song we can play out on, Ollie, unless there's any final thing you would like to say. Yeah, I've uh, got some fig rolls here. Um, I know you've you've also uh, delighted in some fig rolls recently. Such a weird, such a weird day. But Double fig rolling. But is a fig roll a biscuit, a cake, or a roll? Well, it's not a roll. I well, mean, well, I know it's called a roll, but it's not actually a roll. Yeah, well, a Jaffa, a roll, a a Jaffa is cake like a is called a cake. But it's a... No, Jaffa cake is a cake. Yeah, exactly. But so this is a... It's a roll. I, I, my tiny, tired brain can't handle it, Ollie. <laughs> I can't get him either. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. Keep checking us out on Twitter, at Gridiron. Hit us up on there. Let us know what you think of the show. And uh, if you enjoyed the Don Shula interview. And in the meantime, here is the mighty Beyonce to play us out. This is the Gridiron Show. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.